and welcome to another edition of The Dice Are Screaming. <laughs> we are the Dice Man. I am Randy. And I am Mike. And together we form <laughs> the Dice Are Screaming podcast. Yes. Oh, we're back once again. And so we're going to talk today, after last session, we talked about combat and a lot of things that go on during that and being prepared. Well, we're going to talk about something else that requires a lot of preparation, but it's just as satisfying. It's intrigue and skullduggery. Yeah, big 180 for the conversational point this time. Uh, instead of handling, you know, the, the direct brutality of combat. Uh, this time, the subtle art of mystery making. Which, hey, tough subject. Yeah, it's uh, often very complex. Doesn't lend itself quite as well to the traditional sword and sorcery AD&D settings or Pathfinder or what have you, but it is present and it is powerful with things like cavaliers having social rank and all that. Politics enters the arena from time to time. Maybe less so with a standard dungeon environment, but as we discussed before in a previous podcast, changing things up can make it fresh, new, and exciting. This is one of the ways, and we're going to cover a gamut of games that do that primarily very well, and the top of that chart is Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, uh, just a legendary classic of the RPG industry, uh, beloved by many a role-play game enthusiast. Although, even those of us who have enjoyed it and loved it, uh, tongue-in-cheek, have a great sense of humor about the uh, terrible death toll, yeah. uh, <laughs> because... Let's face it, uh, dealing with the older powers is, is no small feat. Uh, first thing you learn, burn all oh, the books. books. Yeah, yeah, have nothing to do with it. But Call of Cthulhu is a great example of the classic uh, mystery unknown uh, that requires careful unraveling and investigation before you can move into direct conflict. Uh, if you move into direct conflict at all. I mean, you, it is sometimes possible to theoretically get out with your skin intact, uh, mostly by having the good <laughs> sense to burn the building down uh, before anything can get out of hand. Yeah, and have but, a trunk load full of dynamite to hurl at it. Yeah. But in games like Call of Cthulhu, you know, it's primarily centered around horror. And, of course, sometimes horror can be direct. But what we're going to focus on primarily is the mystery craft of Also things like, hmm, oh, some other games. Like Shadowrun does pretty well at uh, some intrigue yes. and uh, Layered betrayals within betrayals. Uh, organizational politics that are moving above the heads of the player characters, uh, but that impact their, their actions. Uh, you know, bribed to work against one side, but, uh, you know, the next thing you know... Uh, your own employer is betrayed from within his organization, and you're caught in the double cross. You know, just that is the stuff of Shadowrun cyberpunk esque yeah. uh, roleplay dreams. Uh, how do you craft a scenario like that? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, and primarily you start from the center, uh, usually with Alfred Hitchcock's MacGuffin. You know, it could be an object, it could be a person, or an event in this, but whatever it is, it motivates the story, and indirectly or directly the players are drawn in, either they're hired or there's something that they're seeking 
perfect example, the Maltese Falcon. Yes. Uh, you know, Humphrey Bogart, classic, legendary movie, but in that, the Maltese Falcon, which appears to be simply the Black Bird, uh, is a statuette that is supposed to actually be solid gold that had been melted down and then heavily lacquered over with, yes. uh, you know, a dull black metal so that nobody would know its real value. However, multiple persons are all angling towards the acquisition of the Black Bird, the MacGuffin in that particular case, and not all of them are necessarily evil, uh, but they are all self-interested. They want what they want, and they're prepared to do things to get it, and the hapless adventurer is caught in the crossfire. Yeah, in typical role-playing games, you know, conflict is solved by shooting them or killing them. But uh, <laughs> this is the important part about a political or intrigue-based game. Primarily, there are consequences to just going right out combat, because legal entanglements and also... The people you're after are highly involved with powerful forces, whether organizations are criminal or corporate in Shadowrun. You know, and you're, whether you're searching for a duffel bag full of unmarked bills or a suitcase full of illegal cyber chips, it doesn't matter that you set this in motion with primarily a central character at the hub who's possibly searching for it or wants to acquire it, and the player characters are drawn into this through whatever devices you seem and bet to uh, put in. But the main thing is to keep an emphasis strictly on the control of information, making the players, the party, work to interact with their environment and the NPCs around them. So this means that you have to have a large, diverse cast of characters. Yes, and this is where, you know, like NPC crafting comes in. Because the NPCs can both be helpful and red herrings at the, the same, same time. time. Uh, it is just a DM's, like, Christmas tree. I, it, everything beneath it is wonderful, and, you know, you get the opportunity to plant uh, convincing, empathetic NPCs who are not on your side, and hostile, grumpy NPCs who are, in fact, giving truthful information, but are so disagreeable in nature that nobody really trusts them. You create a web of perpetual doubt uh, that means that the tidbits of information you are handing them could either be leading them off on a wild goose chase uh, or to a complete dead end. Uh, and every once in a while, a tidbit of information turns out to be completely factual. And if they're very lucky, uh, they grab hold of that one and pay more attention to it than they do to the rest. But building those NPCs... Uh, while doing it, do be mindful of giving them a little bit of personality of their own uh, in terms of, you know, making them not just man in a coat on the corner. <laughs> uh, you know, that you, you're going to want something like, ah, you know, he looks like he's uh, in his mid-50s and he's kind of worn down by life and, you know, has baggy eyes and, uh, you know, droopy jowls and... Uh, you know, he, he looks vaguely suspicious uh, mm. standing there. Uh, and there's a disapproving scowl on his face. You know, just those little tidbits right. 
weave a web that make it an authentic seeming person and that puts a picture in the, the player's heads. Uh, and if you weave in little tidbits like that disapproving scowl and the negative attitude, uh, you put the players on guard. Now, if that happens to be the guy who is telling the truth uh, and knows like the next stop they need to make to move their little quest forward, if they don't trust him, that works to your benefit. Yep. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I even feel naughty for saying this. You know, <laughs> just it, it's it, DMing is sometimes a cruelly deceptive uh, trade. Yeah, and that's what it, the fun comes out in, and it requires that you also do a lot of prep work. Now, the payoff is is that the tension you create in, in the labyrinthian maze that you have wove is every bit as dangerous and treacherous as a dungeon, filled with traps, deadfalls, and misleading passages. Now, you can say, well, hey, you know, I, I just want to, you know, kill things, break stuff. Well, but, okay, that's fine. Uh, we're going to take a game called Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay from back in the day in the Enemy Within campaign. And particularly, really? we're going to focus on Shadows Over Bogenhaven, which began as the characters trying to gain uh, some employment, in a town, and once again foiled, so they go to the fair to just blow off some steam, and a three-legged mutant goblin escapes and goes in the sewers, and they're tasked with retrieving the goblin because it's a prized exhibition piece, and uh, <laughs> they find the goblin has been butchered horribly by some kind of supernatural creature once going in the sewers. Because all adventurers have to go into sewers. A sewer runs through it. Yeah, sooner or later. Uh, or sewer or later. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's a shitty job, but somebody's got it. That's right. Uh, no, uh, Shadows Over Bogenhafen, uh, innocently enough, sends players on a straightforward quest. And it's supposed to be a simple job. You know, how many great movies have started that way? I mean, you know... Uh, if you've ever seen the classic noir movie DOA, Dead on Arrival, mm -hmm. uh, about a man who is poisoned and is backtracking, uh, it has been homaged many times in other films, but he's backtracking his way during his last day alive uh, to find out who killed him. That's all he wants. One thing. I want to know who did it. Well, the dead ends, the, the uncertainty, things like that, make it a terrific movie. Same thing in Shadows Over Bogenhaven, where... They lure the characters into a seemingly simple quest. They become embroiled in something much, much larger and more confusing. And nobody with any power or authority seems to be on their side. They are constantly disbelieved. They are not able to appeal to authorities for help. Uh, and they develop uh, secretive allies. People who eventually, in the course of the module series, uh, become like patrons who have also recognized that something wicked lurks behind the uh, the powerful courts of this land. Yeah, and in the, the shadows over Bogenhaven, uh, a member of the town council is secretly a demonic sorcerer who is summoning a great demon of immense power. And, of course, to do this, he has to have sacrifices, and he's tricked several of the town's leaders and frontmen and merchants into culpability with this dark scenario of having to commit human sacrifice. And the players stumble upon this. There are scenes of human sacrifice or remnants of demonic arts in the town. And nobody believes them, like Mike said. And you're frustrated at every turn. 
And the payoff comes at the very end when you finally put all the pieces together and they find out where the final ritual is coming and you know, time is of the essence and they have to get there. And once there, you know, they have to stop the ritual. <laughs> and, you know, the payoff is great. I've had players sit there and just in silence after the game is concluded and said, I, I've played games for years and I just drew my sword for the first time tonight. I've never been so intensely focused on this game. And so that's the payoff you really want. I took a lot of lessons from Shadows Over Bogenhafen and that series in Warhammer uh, Fantasy. That particular module series uh, shaped my view of a good mystery plot ever since. I, I used similar elements in developing a plot uh, with a greater werewolf and a fantasy campaign because you can translate these same you know, techniques to any fantasy campaign or non-fantasy campaign. But remembering that series of dead ends and, like, red herrings and wrong turns uh, and the unempathetic uh, ears of government, uh, where, you know, some of them are possibly covering it up and others are possibly just disinterested and, you know, find it beyond the scope of their ability to believe. Uh, that module series is well worth having even if you just use it as a reference material. Yeah, so look it up. I mean, the Enemy of Thin campaign is probably the greatest singular fantasy adventure I've ever had to the pleasure of running. And uh, that's high compliments indeed. I mean, there are other great ones too and everybody can argue, you know, about what your favorites oh, are. Oh, sure. Everybody's got their own personal favorites. and I mean, those are all valid, but uh, it was a signal moment for us. I think in our 20s when that campaign came out, yeah, that it just, oh, it rocked our world, man. Our whole idea of what was possible in gaming, you know, was, was altered fundamentally by that experience. Like, wow, that was something else. You know, you could really feel the timer ticking as we were, oh, yeah. you know, closing in on the bad guys and hoping that they didn't sacrifice a bunch of people to some greater demon that would then rip apart the whole town. Because uh, if that thing gets loose, you know... <laughs> If you're Look a, out. Yeah, if you're low-levelers and you're not packing blessed weapons, you are hosed. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that no matter what you do, no matter what game you play, there's room for intrigue and mystery. So, you know, whether it's, you know, finding out who the murderer is in a town with the lonely baron sequestering himself in his tower, and uh, his henchmen are laconic and taciturn, not turning away anyone who wants to speak to him, and yet there's all these murders happening, and you have to solve it. It's a great gateway to get involved into it mystery. Some of the pitfalls you want to avoid is, of course, too much frustration. Sometimes players will just go off in the weeds and it looks like there's nothing there. Throw a few bones in their way, a little path of crumbs, if you will, to use the analogy, and get them back on track. Classic fairy tale, you know, I mean, yeah, the casting of crumbs to lure them home. Uh, it's nice to pre-plan those. Have a list of potential clues at NPCs that could drop in at any moment, and if Things have run too far astray, like, you know, well, now they're headed into the forest outside of town, and they are, like, headed the exact opposite way, and we are burning game time. If you really want to get them back in there, you know, have the town drunk out in the forest at the moment, uh, after a bender, and he just babbles a bunch of stuff that includes a clue that sends them reeling back the other direction towards where you want them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Remember, you have total control of the flow of information as well. And another thing is to avoid is too much misdirection. You know, 
just throwing a bunch of NPCs at them with names and no faces to associate them with is just going to confuse players and they're just going to become lost. Don't ground them in detail. Parse it out to them. Let them look and occasionally give them a subtle nudge. Another thing is if things are kind of really slow and seeming just nothing's happening, throw a random encounter in there of, you know, bullies or town drunks or even a random monster just showing up if they're out in the wilderness. That helps spice it up and gets them at least back interested into the game. Oh, uh, perfect. Uh, another film example, uh, Le Pac du Loup, mm. uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. Uh, I mean, if you can cope with uh, French language and uh, English subtitles, it's still well worth the watching because red herrings, uh, multiple agendas, multiple persons moving towards entirely separate goals, all happening at the same time. Uh, it perfectly lays out what we're talking about here, which is yeah. building a plot with convincing extra characters, yeah. competing agendas, and characters trapped right smack dab in the middle yeah. of the mess. Yeah, now, you know, as we would also be a little behind the times we didn't mention some other games that do it, and some old school games, Top Secret, which tended to be a little combat heavy and direct confrontational, but it was rooted primarily in the love of James Bond movies as well as other spy films, and we're not going to say, that, oh, they just focused on James Bond in this. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's face it, man. James Bond is the 800-pound gorilla in the room. I mean, when you talk yeah. about spy films. but yeah. Any you know. spy game, you know, well, I mean, there was, in fact, a spy game that was you know, like James Bond 007, the spy game. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, More for one player or a small, very small group. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, you know, one-on-one, uh, -on -one DM and player, uh, or DM and two players, three players tops. Uh, very small crews were appropriate for that game. Um yeah, but Top Secret, you know, also took from uh, the John McCart novels and uh, the Born Identity things as well as uh, oh, before yes. uh, Matt Damon got involved. But. <laughs> you know, uh, another thing that's good for tropes for mystery movies, and, you know, we're just going to touch on this briefly, is, of course, they would have gotten away with it too. If it hadn't been for <laughs> those, those darn meddling adventurers. Scooby-Doo, classic example, you know. Uh, pulling the mask off the bad guy at the end of it. Archlich Hacerarak! Oh, man! <laughs> oh. Ah, you kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Nice read, Velma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Archer. So much voice comedy. Um, no, that is a also perfect example. And there's so many, it's a cultural touchstone. So many people have like watched and treasure the memory of watching the early Scooby-Doo episodes, uh, they had that mystery concept down pat. Uh, as I mentioned on the WordPress blog, uh, in the section on inspiration, uh, don't be averse to giving a read outside a genre mm -hmm. and poking your nose into some classic Sherlock Holmes or into the adventures of uh, Hercule Poirot. No, uh, these you said it right, too. Great. Oh, Mr. Poirot? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Murder on the Orient Express is finest hour. Exactly. These are uh, bedrock for mm. mystery making. So, you know, with a little bit of homework, which, as it happens, will also be fun, uh, it's not impossible to handcraft your very own mystery adventure uh, outside of Call of Cthulhu or, uh, for instance, Top Secret. Uh, you can... In 
impose these concepts onto any genre and right. hopefully intrigue the daylights out of your gamers. Right on. And, well, I think that pretty much covers the subject pretty well. I mean, there's other things that we'll do. And, uh, of course, look on the WordPress blog. So thank you all for doing that. Uh, you know, you can check on that for some supplemental material from one of the Dicemen. Mike, of course, he's a great writer. Um, and, of course, you can always look us up on our favorite haunts on Facebook group. So thank you for letting us know that you appreciate that. We've had a few uh, nice compliments from there. And also, we would be remiss if we didn't also mention that we're on Spotify and iTunes and Apple as well. So thank you all for that. We're getting pretty good at uh, spreading this, the love of the Dice is Screaming around. And, uh, of course, you can catch us on uh, Twitter. Oh, our usual haunts at Twitter, where I can be located as Vox at Twitter, and... Death Hand Gaming. That's D-E-T-H-A-N-D Gaming. Well, until a few days from now, starting the new week, we wish you well, many joyous mysteries to you, and may, may the, the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're, We're out. out.